0: Show you a better way Hi folks, this is Jack Spearco with another edition of the Survival Podcast. As always, one man's view of the changing world, the changing times, and the things that we can all do to live a better life. If times get tough, or even if they don't. Today is March 6, 2014. This is episode 1314 of the Survival Podcast. I think you have one too many 14s in there today. I have a show I've been wanting to do for you guys uh, called How Most Americans Are Little More Than Proud Slaves, and uh, it's going to be kind of an old-school TSP episode, something that might take you back to the car days if you've been around that long, and if you weren't around back then, you get a taste of maybe some of the hard-hitting stuff we covered uh, back in the day, so to speak, and uh, it's something that kind of came up in a show a week, week and a half ago, I guess, where I said, hey, you know, this is a whole different thing, but A lot of people think they're free, and they're not. They're actually slaves to a lot of things in the country today, and they're imprisoned in in a a police state, Uh, but a financial police state in addition to the police state that we all kind of see growing up around us. And uh, would you guys like me to cover that? And I got a lot of feedback saying you would. So that's what we're going to do today. So today I'm going to tell you something you may not want to hear. Some of you may know it and accept it, and that means it probably doesn't apply to you anymore, and that's why it won't bother you so much. Some of you actually have figured it out, though you don't know that you've figured it out. And you've actually done something about it, and it no longer directly applies to you, but you don't realize it or you can't look back and accept it, and therefore it makes it really hard for you to understand why so many people just don't get it. That's the way you put it all the time. I get emails from you guys, my brother just doesn't get it, my sister just doesn't get it, my dad doesn't get it, my best friend from the Army doesn't get it, doesn't get it, doesn't get it, doesn't get it. it." And that would seem like it doesn't really apply here, but it does. What I'm here to tell you is that the American people, by and large, are slaves. We are a nation of slaves. We are a nation who not only is full of slaves, but we have proud slaves. We are proud of our slavery in America today. And we are slaves... To six major things in America today. And I'll give you them and then I'll go back and talk about how they empower our slavery. The first one is exceptionalism ideology. We call this American exceptionalism. Right-wing talk show hosts are constantly talking about American exceptionalism and and saying how, you know, that uh, the the left just doesn't believe in American exceptionalism. Unfortunately, the left also completely and totally swallows the pablum of American exceptionalism. Now, there are some exceptional things about America, and there are some exceptional things about America. And I will talk about them when we go through this one, but the ideology that we are just by our very nature exceptionalists is nonsense. And it's one of the main bars that makes you a slave in your prison cell. The next one is debt. Americans are slaves to debt and far more ways than you can imagine. It's not just the people that are deep in consumer debt that are slaves to debt. Even those of us who have cast off our chains and are living free, we're really like slaves on the run in a lot of ways. We're still slaves to debt. Even those of you who have no debt at all, personal debt, you own your house, you own your vehicle, you have no credit card debt, you have no nothing, you're also a debt slave. I'll explain when I get to it. We're slaves to taxes. We are taxed in every way that a nation can be taxed, every way that a person can be taxed. There are taxes on taxes now, um, and we are slaves to that taxation. We are slaves to the class structures. More accurately, we are slaves to our belief in the class structures that they even actually exist. We are slave, and when I say class, I don't just mean upper and middle and lower, but working class, educational classes. Right, The educated and the uneducated. The smart and the dumb. We are slaves to the class structures. We are slaves to racial bias in this country still. We have yet to let it go. And we are slaves in multiple ways due to racial bias. I'll talk about that today. The number one thing we're slaves to in this nation? Fear. We've become a nation of cowards. And we actually fear our freedom at this point. We're a nation of slaves that have built our own prison walls, our own cells, and we are slaves that even manage our own work release programs. We are slaves who not only have forged and crafted our own chains, we are foolish enough that we are proud of them, and we literally polish the shackles to a high shine so that other slaves can see how great we are, that we are a favored slave to our state, and to our corporatocracy. You don't believe me? Hopefully you will by the end of this episode. Because there's two reasons that I felt it was time to do this show. And I've done shows like this in the past, but it's been a long time since I've really gotten into this subject. Number one is you will never achieve your, tr- your freedom until you first acknowledge your slavery. Even those of you who are on the path to freedom... You will never be free until you see the slavery that you existed in before you decided to walk away from it. You will never be free until you see the way that slavery continues to encroach on you in spite of your decision to be free. Because if you don't see that, you'll just create a new form of slavery for yourself. You will have to continuously, for the rest of your life, treat your slavery like an alcoholic treats their addiction. Guy hasn't had a drink 30 years that's truly managing his alcoholism. A true alcoholic, not just a guy with a drinking problem. An alcoholic says, I'm a recovering alcoholic. You will be a recovering slave for the rest of your life. That's the only way you'll be a free man. The next is, you'll never understand why so many cling to ignorance until you understand that they currently fear freedom. You will continuously be frustrated by those you love who just, you say, I don't get it, Jack. I, I've i tried to explain it, and they don't get it. They do get it. They're scared shitless of their freedom. Last year, for the first time ever, I raised geese from babies. We had some geese when I was a kid, but they were like my grandparents' geese, and they were already grown when I, you know, started, you know, being around them and all. And, uh... I got little baby geese that came in the mail. They were so small I could hold them in the palm of my hand. Now they're 20-pound birds that hiss and bite people. But at the time, they were little bitty birds. And they were like little puffballs. Oh, by the way, and aside, just off the heavy stuffer segment section, uh, this morning, the population of our homestead grew by three as we hatched our first three chicks in our incubator. And they're currently in a nice little warm box uh, and they'll be going into a brooder soon, but we're waiting to put them in the brooder because it looks like six more eggs are going to hatch. I just thought I'd give you that update on the homestead. You know, there's good things going on here. So anyway, I got these geese, and, uh, you know, I, I just started thinking it was nice and warm out already, and I started thinking about the fact that, you know, geese, when they're born, they go right on grass. They, their mom takes them straight out. So we put them in a little goose tractor, chicken tractor, goose tractor, and started tractoring them the day they got here. They were day and a half old, and they were eating grass and waddling around and being cool little fluffy geese. And for you know the first couple weeks, every night we took them and to put them in a brooder inside and then put them back in their little goose tractor. After about two and a half, three weeks of that, we started leaving them in the goose tractor. After about five or six weeks total, these little gooses were about the size of a grown duck. They grew that fast. And I was just like, they don't belong in here anymore. So I made... A 16 by 16 square out of hog panels. And I put the little goose in there. Well, I picked the goose up, and the first one I put in there freaked out. Started running around, screaming, honking, peeping, upset, trying to smash his head through the fence. And I put a second one in there, and it freaked out. But they got together and sort of calmed down, but they were you could tell they were freaked out. By the time I put the last one in there, everybody but him was kind of calm. And within about 10 minutes, they started feeding on their grass. What happened? They had become accustomed to slavery, confinement, four foot by eight foot, rectangle. When they were first dropped into a 16-foot square, so much larger than what they were accustomed to, the freedom terrified them. And then once they reassured themselves that there was still enough captivity to be okay, they went on and began to eat grass. But they were scared of their freedom. Well, if you're a six-week-old goose, and the only thing you've ever known is the confines of a four-foot-by-eight-foot chicken tractor, I can understand how scared you might be when all of a sudden you can see the sky, and everything's wide open. And especially for the first one who was freed individually. And there was no other geese around him. Because as soon as, as soon as the numbers started to increase, the whole panic situation started to go down. In fact, by the time I got to the last goose, the seven geese in the 16 by 16 square were chilled out. The one left in the chicken tractor was freaked because it was alone. Such it is with people. As we move from freedom, or from slavery to freedom, generally we make the move alone. There's plenty of people that have already done it, but they're not with us when we do it. The people we love and care about the most are generally not willing to take the journey with us. Most people awaken to their slavery alone. Somebody always has to go first in a family or a peer group, and many times they're never joined. Well, that's frightening. Not only is there greater freedom, but you're alone in it. That's one of the reasons you say people don't get it. They get it. They don't like the results of it. So let's talk about how the the slavery is maintained in the first place with the six pillars. The most insidious pillar is actually exceptionalist ideology. The, the, the The belief that Americans are exceptional. This is like like the most useful tool to imprison Americans because that lets your oppressor tell you, no matter how bad you think it is, this is the greatest country in the world. Right? But let's just for a moment assume that America is the freest nation on earth. That no nation can compare to America for freedom. Let's just assume that. I don't think it's exactly true. I think in some areas, America is the freest nation on Earth, and in some areas, America is very oppressive. But let's just say that America is the freest nation on Earth. Let's say that that's true. Great. Does that mean it's free enough? Does that mean it's free enough? One more time. Does that in of itself mean it's free enough? When the whole world was being run under... A feudal order, if one kingdom was a little more free than the other, but the kings could still cut your head off, was that kingdom free enough? So even if we believe the lie that is exceptionalist ideology, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter even if we are the freest nation in the world if we are not sufficiently free as human beings to be humans in the truest sense of the word. But it's worse than just that. The lie sold to you from the time you are put into your first state run prison I call that pre-K or kindergarten, depending on which one you started in. They're state-run prisons where you go for about eight hours a day as a prisoner. You don't think it's a prison? Try to leave when you're a kid. See what happens. Definition of a prison. Place you go where you're not allowed to leave. Just cause a prison's run for the purpose of education doesn't make it not a prison. Some prisons are run for punishment. Some are run for the the purpose of social programming. You don't think school is a prison. Don't go. See what happens. Call it truancy. It's a crime. Make it a crime not to go someplace? I call that place a prison. What about homeschoolers? Yeah, you you have to follow a lot of guidelines. Some states, not that many. Some states, a lot more. Some states, it's easy. Some states, it's hard. Doesn't mean that even the ones where it's easy relatively... State's free enough. Why should the state decide how your child is educated or have any say whatsoever in how your child is educated? I'll tell you why they want to. They want to so they can program your child to think the way they want them to think. Anyway, by the time you enter that first state-sanctioned prison, known as kindergarten... You are taught, Johnny, Susie, you live in the greatest country in the world. Every person, everywhere in the world, other than the people around you, wish they were with you. They wish they were here. There is no place that's ever existed in the world at any time with as much freedom and opportunity as America. Everybody Wants to be an American. Not only is it a lie, this is what it does to enslave you. It makes all of the bullshit that intrinsically as a human being you know is wrong seem okay. Well, we're not allowed to do that. It must be okay because we're the greatest nation on planet Earth. We're amazing. We're not just the greatest nation in the world. We're the greatest nation that ever was. In some ways, we were at a time. But right now, it's like, well, it's like the United States won the gold medal in the Olympics in 1980. And you're still running around based on that, screaming, we are the champions. It's time to get the team going again. But it's, it's worse than that. Because since we believe this load of crap... We think that everything we're told has to be a certain way must have to be that way because that's how we got to be the greatest nation in the world. It seems so logical when you hear the right say American exceptionalism is real. Because you know what? When people tell you good things about yourself you want to believe it. it. makes you feel good. But... If you want to keep your slaves controlled, keep them happy. Don't think that kindness from a master equals freedom. Right now I have my little puffball chicky chicks sitting in a box with a nice warm heating pad underneath it to keep them warm until they got to their nice warm brooder. And I will dote on them and I will take care of them wonderfully for the next few weeks until they're big enough to look after themselves a bit more. If one of them gets sick, I'll do whatever I can to save it. I will feed them. I will provide shelter for them. might even sit with them and cuddle them. But they're not free. They're my captives. Now, they're a chicken. It's okay that they're my captives. But they're not not my captives just because I am kind to them. Human beings are not chickens, and we're not dogs. We're not designed to be captives. We are designed and optimized for liberty. That is our, that is our natural state is a state of liberty. But by convincing you that just by the fact that you live here, that you were born here, you are special. I've convinced you that mediocrity and submissiveness is liberty. Mediocracy is not liberty. It is mediocrity. Submissiveness to a master is not freedom. It's captivity. The next way we are enslaved in this nation is through debt. Debt is insidious because once it has control of you, you have to work a hundred times harder to get out of it than you did to get into it. And the solution always feels like just a little bit more time and a little bit more debt and a little bit more stuff that created the debt in the first place. The debt trap is like the antlion trap. The antlion, for those that don't know, is a little creature. It's a larval form of of an insect that eventually changes into something else. And it likes to live in soft, sandy soils. Sand, dusty sand, stuff like that. And it goes in the ground. And it's a weird looking little thing. Never seen one? Google it and go to the image search. If you remember the old Star Trek movie, Wrath of Khan, where they put something in the dude's ear that controlled him, like that worm looking thing. And they're a little smaller than that thing, but it it kind of reminds you of that. And it uh, looks like an alien life form. Really weird looking thing. And this little thing gets in the sandy soil and it buries itself in the dirt. But it doesn't just go straight in the dirt. When it buries itself, it makes a cone shape, like a moon crater, but with a steep angle down to a point. And it sits at the bottom with these little jaws just barely above the surface. And here comes an ant. And the ant goes over the edge of the little moon crater. And since the soil is so soft and friable, when the ant goes over the edge, he starts to fall. The ant panics. The harder he struggles, the more he digs his own grave. And as he's trying to fight his way out, if he's getting out at all, the antlion spits dirt at the back of the ant and knocks it down until it falls to the bottom of the antlion hole. And then the antlion's jaws grab him and pull him under and eat him. Well, actually eat her. All the ants running around are females, the worker ants. And they eat her. She's gone. The end of the ant. This is how debt slavery works. The harder you work, as long as you're trying to service versus get rid of the debt, the greater the control the debt has on you. Now, I also promise to tell you something. I promise to tell you how, even if you are debt-free, you are still a slave to debt. You may struggle with that and say, "I, "I, Jack, I followed your teachings. I got out of debt. Hell, I'm ahead of you. You still owe money on your house, fool. I got my house paid for. I got no debt. I don't owe anybody squat. I know no, I owe nobody nothing. You're wrong. I'm not a slave to debt. Oh, do you live in America, my dear friend? Your nation has assumed over 17 trillion dollars of debt that you are imprisoned by. You are a slave to our national debt. We'll talk about taxes next, but a huge portion of our taxes solely exist To fund the debt, in a very short period of time, the interest on the United States debt will exceed the cost of the Department of Defense. You are a slave to debt. And if you tell me you are not, I say to you, everything around you is funded with debt. And the decisions your nation makes and the political apparatus that controls you is funded with debt. The guns that will be turned on you and your family if you disobey are funded with debt. Not just with debt, but without debt, there'd be a lot less guns and a lot less force. It would be impossible for a nation to be as oppressive as this nation is in modern times without the apparatus of debt and the ability of the government to incur debt on behalf of its people. Oh, By the way, when I talk about your slavery, the bondage of debt slavery is the national debt. Many years ago, the debt that's being paid today was incurred by a government, your government, my government. Without our consent, without our consent, the government went into debt based on its ability to tax you and I today. Our labor was sold for interest by our parents and our grandparents. And we today, to put off paying the debt that was incurred on our behalf, incur a greater debt, and defer it to our children and to our grandchildren. Do not tell me that anybody in this nation is free from the slavery that is debt at the national level and the state levels and the municipal levels. If you really look at it, we have all been enslaved, and the only way out is to change the system in complete and total from its entirety. And it ain't going to happen anytime soon, because too many people are still polishing their chains. They like being a slave, or at least they think they do. And that's reality. That is what debt has done to us. Our labor has been converted into interest to pay for oppression. Sucks, doesn't it? Good. Because that's the only way you're going to be free. Accept it. Stop trying to deny the reality. If you live in the false world... You live in their paradigm that they want you in. Because then you're like, oh, this is all okay. I'll just keep being a gerbil in the wheel. I like being a gerbil in the wheel. No, you don't. It's not your natural state. Be angry that your government incurred Debt in the past based on its ability to tax your labor today and be angry that your government is doing that based on their ability to tax the labor of your children and your grandchildren tomorrow. That is what national debt is. And that leads us to taxes. We are getting to a point where the average person who has a decent income is, is working 5 to 6 months a year for the state slash state big and little s the state of your residence and the state of your federal republic even the states that have no state income or state income tax but you got state sales tax you got property taxes you got utility taxes some go to the federal government some go to your state taxes 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 really when you think about it I want you to really get it. So we think about the income tax, social security tax, maybe. We think social security tax isn't that bad, they give it back to me. Yeah, okay, sure. The return on social security is ridiculously low. You'd be better off with your money than them pret- pretending to help you with your own money later. But well, let's look at actually what taxes are like for the average American. The average American gets up and decides, got to go to work. My, my, my work-release prison program is, is over for the day. It's time to report back to my cell and start being a labor uh, energy unit for the federal government, the state government, the city government, and to fund the debt both that they've incurred and I've incurred. So now it's time to put on my chains and go to work. So go to work. Now, can you go to work and it not be slavery? Yes, but not if you're doing most of your work for somebody else. That's the definition of slavery. So he gets up and he's worried, man, I gotta pay taxes, It sucks, and they're gonna take it out of my check this week, and he thinks that's my taxes. So he gets up and he flips on a light switch, which uses electricity, which comes with a tax. So he goes out and gets in his car, fires it up, which burns gas, which came with a tax. He then begins driving down the road. Um, well, Along the way, he might have to pay a toll, which is just another form of tax, and if he goes too fast or too slow or puts his turn signal on the wrong way, a nice man with a gun will stop him and give him a ticket, which is, oh, that's a tax. On his vehicle somewhere, there's probably a sticker or something like that that's his registration. He has to register his vehicle with the state and say, I have this vehicle, and he'll pay a fee to do that, and that is his another tax, and... In some states, still, you have to have the vehicle inspected for your safety, which is really money that also is a, is a tax. So he's been taxed and taxed and taxed. and Gee, he just got in the car. He's only on his way to work. So he'll get to work, and uh, he'll go inside the building, and he'll turn his light on or his computer on. And though he's not directly paying that tax for that energy, his employer is. So his employer pays the tax. That money could actually be going to pay the employee. It's not. It's going to the government. So he's at this place, and there's a building that he's at. Oh, that building, somebody's paying a property tax on that building, which, again, is being added to the burden that all of us have to pay for whatever fruits of this man's labor are eventually sold to the public. But let's let's not try to find every single tax the guy's paying during this. But, yeah, you know, let's say he has to, in his job... He has a cell phone, and he's allowed to use his cell phone because he's not a complete and total prisoner at work. So he has to call somebody. So he picks his cell phone up, makes a phone call. Oh, gee, there's a tax on that. And then he finally says, well, hell, it's lunchtime. At least I get a break, and I don't want to be here for lunch. I want to get away from these people for a little while. So he gets in this car where he continues to burn gas, which also causes attacks. Now, he gets to a place where he's going to buy food. He pays for the food. The food comes with a tax. The guy working behind the counter who gets paid is paying a tax on the money that he makes by making the food and preparing the food. The energy that the food is, is used to be produced with it, that's taxed. Are you starting to see it? We have We only got a lunchtime. right? So now the guy goes back to work, continues to rack up taxes just by functioning. Now, let's say it's Friday, he's going to get paid. He gets his paycheck, there's a Social Security tax, there's a FICA, a FUTA, there's an the income tax on there. There's a state income tax if the state has that. There's a myriad of things the employer is required to do, in other words, mandated by the state, which are another form of taxation. So he, <laughs> he goes to the bank to get money from his check. Now, if he's got a savings account and he got any interest he's earning on it, as pitiful pitiful as that interest is, that's tax, too. The bank has to use energy, which incurs a tax. There's fees that the bank pays to register, which are also taxes, which cost the customer of the bank so that the bank can comply with the regulations that it wrote for itself to keep anybody from competing with it. Those are also taxes. But he gets his money, what's left of it, after it's been taxed. He gets back in his car, and he's driving home. He's burning gasoline. It's taxed. Pays the toll it's a tax. And when he gets almost home, he thinks, you know what, I need to fill the car up for the weekend. And and damn it, it's been a bad week, and I'm paying all these taxes, and I'm working like a a dog in a machine, so I'm going to get a six-pack of beer. So he goes in the, the convenience store at the gas station to get a six-pack of beer. He paid for the gas at the pump with his credit card or his debit card, either or, and he paid a tax there. But now he goes inside and he buys the beer. Not only does he pay a sales tax, there's a tax on a freaking alcohol. So he paid a tax on that. Now, interestingly enough, the guy behind the counter who takes his money is also earning income and paying tax. Got it? Now, he goes home to his house and it's let's say it's close to the end of the year, so it's tax time, so he's getting all his tax documents together, and one of them says, out of all the uh, money you spent on your house this year, this is the property tax that you paid. So there's a tax on that. Every, Everything a human being does in modern society is taxed. Every time you move or do anything meaningful, you're taxed. And then your government tells you some people aren't paying enough. <laughs> and moves us into dun 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 the slavery of the class structure. This is one of the most useful links in your chain that your masters have to control you with. If you're poor, they say, it's those middle class people, those upper middle class people that live in the nice neighborhood down the way. They should be paying just a little bit more. I mean, they're, they don't like you. They don't, they, they, they hate you. They, they, they're the ones. And the rich, the rich are really the ones. Hey, if you're, if you're affluent, not rich, if you're super rich, you don't even give a shit about any of this. It doesn't apply to you. You're the one with the freaking whip and the chains, right? But if you're just affluent, you're just doing really well for yourself. They say, this poor people are the drains on society. They're the reason you have to work so hard. If you're the middle class, they blame the poor and the rich for your misery. And if you buy into it, then it's really these other people's faults. You just go, look at my shiny shackles. Ha, I'm a good slave. It's all these other slaves that aren't pulling their weight's fault. And then they, they, it doesn't stop just with the income layers in the class, right? They say, well, it's the dumb people. It's the idiots watching the Kardashians that are the problem. We are the ones producing the show. What do you mean it's their fault? It's the it, it, the intellectuals who are so concerned with these refined leftist ideologies. They're the problems. It's the stupid rednecks down in the south that that just cling to their gods and their guns. That's that's who it is. It's it's all. Nonsense. It's all nonsense. Your fellow Americans aren't the problem. They are shackled to you. Like a chain gang. You want to control the slaves, make them fight with each other. The class structure is how we do that. And we, we have to add the, the real way that we can lather up the slave fight against each other. Racism. It's the Mexicans that did it all. If they weren't coming here and being such a drain on our system, then everything would be okay. Really? Really? If we... (laughs) Come on. Look. You're really going to tell me that we would be so much better off financially if we didn't have people that come here, stand in a Home Depot parking lot, and work for 10 bucks an hour. Like maniacs, by the way, most of them. Yes, I know there's a criminal component there. Yes, I know there are some of them that come here and take the social, you know, basically get on the government tit and suck it dry. I understand that. But are they the problem, or is the program that allows them to do this the problem? And who's running that? Them? Really? Like all the Mexicans got together and came to America and told our government, this is what you're going to do. You're going to set up these social welfare programs and give them to us. Or did we let it happen, and then they got here and went, really? I can get all this stuff for free? Cool. And how many people on those programs are not here illegally? The majority, folks. The majority. They're not the problem. They're a symptom. Then you got the black-white angle. Oh, yeah. White guy shoots a black guy, it's a murder. Has to be. Poor kid. And then you got people that take it just the opposite way. It had to be self-defense. How about we judge the actions of what occurred instead of even worry about what color somebody is? If you have to tell me who was what color to make your case that a shooting was either justified or unjustified, you don't have enough facts to make your case. That's not how America works. We've twisted racism so much so that white people are afraid to use the word freaking black. And black people actually get upset sometimes when white people do use the word black. If I describe you as black, it's no different than me describing you as having red hair or blonde hair. It's a physical characteristic. Get the hell over it. But no, no. we got we to spur on the real racism that does exist, and we got to make the stuff that's innocent look like that. Why? Because you got to have the slaves angry with each other so the masters can run things the way they want them run. Next thing, this is the real thing that's used to control you, fear. Fear of anything they can make you afraid of. Fear of the terrorists. Fear that your children will be lured into a gay lifestyle. Fear that your children will use drugs. Fear that this, fear that that. Because they know it's easy to do it to you because they've, because they've bred you to be a coward. They've bred you to be a coward. They have slowly stripped resiliency and courage from us as a people. And the the, the beauty of it is if you'll just go, oh, I changed my mind. I'm not going to be afraid of you anymore. It's that easy. It's that easy. But if you don't know it, the fear, the fear is intense. You don't even know it's fear. That's why it works. If you knew it was fear, you'd be like, well, why the hell am I afraid of this? Right? And if you, if you knew why you were afraid of it, you, you could figure out how not to be afraid of it. But since you don't understand, it's fear. It's fear that manifests itself as anger. It's fear that manifests itself as hatred. It's fear that manifests itself in a thousand different ways. And the one way it almost never manifests itself in is actually fear. And you know where you can really see it? I'll tell you where you can really see it. When you when you start to talk to a person who claims to want more freedom and less government about actually creating less government, then you see the fear. You see it so blatantly as long as you've let go of it. As soon as you say, well, we could just get rid of this entire department of government, they say, well, well, if we did that, then what would, and that's fear. Whatever comes after that, that's fear. I'm afraid that if we get rid of this, something bad will happen. I'm afraid that human beings are not capable of seeing to this need without a master, without a controller. When you talk to somebody about libertarian, minarchist, or anarchist principles... Any level of that gradient, you've gone so far away from where we're at today as far as control. Even middle of the road libertarianism to a conservative Republican that claims to want less government. Not a minarchist or anarchist, you know, view, but a middle of the road libertarian. Oh, well, who would build the roads? Well, hold on. Before we say that, Let's just start out with how many new roads right now do we really need? Who would build the road? Well, there's roads here. So now we need mostly maintenance and upkeep. Oh, well, who would do that? Well, is the government doing a good job with it right now? Before we fear government not doing something, why don't we ask how good a job are they doing at it right now? Think about it. There's a documentary, I can't remember what it's called, but it shows the state of the infrastructure in America and bridges that are just ready to crumble. You know, it's a funny thing, but when you run a bridge for a living, you really don't want it to fall. Because your living's gone. Not to mention your suit and you got all these other problems. But that's just one example. Do you know the main reason that people are so opposed to gay marriage? Fear. Well, it'll be the end of the family unit. How, how, how's the, how strong is the family unit right now? How's it working out for us with the state deciding who does and doesn't get married? How is it working out for us with the state deciding what happens when a family gets divorced? Instead of both sides having to work it out, when we made divorce easy and we made it where one partner could live off the other partner damn near for the rest of their lives, we got more divorces. So would it be more harmful if the state said, we are out of the marriage business? We're just out. We don't do that anymore. We don't tax people differently because of marital status. We don't do anything. Just marriage is not our business. We are going to turn our backs on it and ignore it. And, by the way, that means we're ignoring the the, the, the dissolving of a marriage. If a marriage dissolves, it's up to the two of you to figure out what to do about it, or the three of you, for all I care. Would it really be worse than what we have? But see, the reason, oh, I can't have that. And I love the argument, but I'm a Christian. Great, I'm not. So why should I be bound by your ethics if my decisions do not harm you? Well, there's this roundabout way that you could, no, 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 no. Well, society's not as good this way. That's your view. Go build your society your way. I'll build my, really, in the end, I don't care what you're saying, you're afraid. You're afraid. And a lot of you guys that are big on that issue, you're afraid that the gay people will convert your children. If we let them be normal. (laughs) And I've actually had people tell me this. And I'm like, is there any way in the world you could ever be gay? And they're like, no. Well, then why do you think your kid could if they're not? And then you get a dumb look. Oh, I know some of you are real upset with me because this is a big issue for you right now. Let's go on to some other issues that people are afraid of legalizing drugs, not just marijuana drugs, just states out of that business. We'd have no more prohibition. Oh, God, there'd be drugs everywhere. Really? Really? <laughs> okay, so this is the definition of slavery. You're sacrificing your liberty because you believe it's necessary to preserve something that doesn't exist. Well, we have to keep drugs out of our schools they can't keep drugs out of prison. The state puts a building up with maximum security protocols. Every vehicle and human being that goes in and out is searched. They put people in little cells. They make them all wear the same clothes. They shake down their cells and their bunks every day. They say if you use drugs in here, what's bad gets worse. You go from being in prison to the hole for having drugs. They have trained people all over the place looking all the time for drugs, and there's still drugs in prison. And these people have the audacity to look you in the face and tell you that their laws keep drugs out of the hands of your children. Their laws do not keep drugs out of the hands of your children. Their laws make it profitable for someone to put drugs into the hands of your children. That's what their laws do. When the government either subsidizes or tries to oppose something, its value goes up, or its cost goes up, I should say. The government subsidizes the college education, says everybody should go to college, and the cost of going to college just runs away and skyrockets in cost. What if we didn't have the government with these, these student loans so that the children had the opportunity to go to college? Oh, maybe we'd be able to afford to go to college. And maybe people that actually belong there would go there. But no, see, the slave doesn't want to hear that. The slave wants to hear America is the best country in the world. Every child in America should have the ability to attend a university and realize their full potential. Who's gonna dig a ditch? Well, illegal aliens can do that. Oh, we don't want them coming into the country to dig ditches. No American will take that job. Yes, they will. That's nonsense. Get rid of those illegal aliens and Americans will take that job. Really? And you go to college for that job? Well, that's the job you take temporarily while you're learning. Really? While you're on student loans where you get enough money to buy a car while you're going to school? Pay for all your housing and your food? You're going to get a temporary job digging ditches? It's it's nonsensical, isn't it? If you really start to think about the society that we live in today and the fear that exists from removing government that's currently failing at the very thing you say we need it for. We have a school system that I'm told we need government for, but one of the wealthiest school districts in America right now is Dallas, Texas. Dallas, Texas is a huge school district. The, 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 the amount of money spent per pupil, $12,000 a student per year. There are universities you can go to paying out of pocket for less than that. We, set, we spend that money on a freaking fourth grader in Dallas, Texas. We need the government to do it and we need more money to make this happen and we will spend this money because it's in the best interest of all of us because we need that child to be educated and their graduation rate of students that enter kindergarten and actually come out the other side as a graduate of high school in Dallas, Texas is about 54%. Oh, we just need more money. This is slavery. Your home is taxed because we need to educate these children who are not being educated, and only the state can do it with your money. This is slavery. Oh, and they get you so many ways. So now we pay our slaves a wage. and We say, save your money, slave, because you'll need to pay for your retirement. Wait a minute. I'm your slave. Are you going to take care of me? Uh, We'll take care of you a little bit, but give us your own money. And then we'll give it back to you when you retire. Okay. Oh, by the way, all that money you're saving? <clears throat> yeah? The money I'm saving, that's good, right? Oh, yeah, it's great. Uh, by the way, we're taking about 5 to 6%, if you believe us, a year back from you. that you never get back? Where's it going? Oh, we're just taking value from your money to make new money. This is inflation. This is managed and planned inflation. Every time they create a new dollar, it derives its value from an existing dollar. Do you understand this? That's what inflation is. As we expand the monetary supply, the new money sucks value from the old. If we have a 4% inflation rate, which is lower than the truth, but we'll just say it is, okay? 4% inflation means this. You make $100,000, slave. You get to keep. That's after taxes. You are a... You have shiny chains, slave. You have some of the shiniest. You're the top 2% of all slaves. Isn't that great? Yeah, that's great. And not only do you make 100000 you make enough other money that this year you're such a good slave that you save $100,000. You stack it up. It stacks of hundreds. And you go, I know. I'm not even going to let these people take it and put it in their bank. I earn this. I'm keeping this money. And you stick it in your mattress. If inflation is 4% that year, It is absolutely no different than your slave master climbing through your window in the middle of the night, counting out $4,000 and leaving with it. The difference is you don't know they took it. You still have $100,000. It just has $4,000 less power. It's now equivalent to what $96,000 was. And they do it every year, over and over and over and over again. And then they say, well, slave, you have to beat this inflation thing that we set up for you. Okay, how do I do that? Oh, you invest in the market. What's that mean? Well, like us. You want to be like us, right? Uh Uh-huh, I want to be like you. Okay, so put your money in the stock market. I don't know how to do that. Don't worry. We've picked people that know how to do that for you. We call them mutual fund managers. So just give them your money, and they'll manage it for you. And then I'll beat the market? Well, maybe. Well, what do you mean maybe? Well no no investment comes without risk but historically these investments have paid off very very well okay so how does this work well we just take your money and then we give it back to you whenever you want it okay well you know we're gonna you're gonna pay taxes on it when you make an, a, a, a profit well, i i already paid taxes on this money well no see it's called capital gains oh but here's this way you can get out of it okay i'm listening because i really didn't understand that i was gonna have to Take care of myself. I thought I was a slave. Well, you are a slave, but you do have to take care of yourself, especially when you're done working and you're not valuable to us anymore. Now you're a drain, so you've got to be able to take care of yourself. All right, so what do I do? Okay, we have these these retirement programs for you. And you put your slave money in there, and you just put it in the market like normal, and we'll give it back to you, and you don't have to pay any taxes on it. Or you can put your money in there and not pay taxes on it today and pay it on the other side. You can do either one. Oh, that sounds pretty good. Oh, you can't have the money till you're 59 and a half. Okay, well, what happens if I need my money back? Oh, you can have it back. Oh, okay, that's fine. Well, wait a minute. Well, you're going to pay a penalty plus interest plus taxes on it. Wait a minute. Who's the penalty and the interest go to? Us. So it's all taxes. Ah, oh, you're a smart slave. That's why you're in the top 2%. Yeah, it's all taxes. That's the way it is. Okay. <laughs> so you do that. But if that's where it stopped, it would be bad, but it wouldn't be... Okay, so now, who wrote all these laws and put all these taxes in place? Well, since we want to tax the evil corporations, it can't be... Of course, it's the evil corporations. The evil corporations are the ones that bought and paid for your congressmen. They're also slaves. They're just... They're like the affluent slaves. They're like the the house slaves, right, that manage you. Well... Those corporations write the very legislations that create the taxes, and they produce the products that you buy, that you pay taxes on when you buy, and you fund everything that they do. And now what you're asked to do is to take your money, put it into a mutual fund, so that it can be used to fund the operations of Exxon, so that they can explore for oil, so they can return a tiny portion as a dividend to you, so that they can extract the oil and sell it to you for a profit that you'll pay a tax on. And there's your slavery. Now you might say, Jack, Jack, this sounds un-American and anti-free market. Oh, no. Did you think we had a free market? You're a slave, fool. You don't have a free market. Exxon gets to write laws that it does not have to, 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 to meet, that it doesn't have to follow. Exxon gets to tell the EPA to put out a restriction and then pretend to fight it when we find out all along they never had to comply with it in the first place. Only you do, with your little business. This is slavery. And this is who we are today. And whenever you try to explain it to somebody, they tell you you're crazy because they're afraid of the shock of the reality. And I'll tell you the biggest thing they're afraid of. They're not really afraid that they can't make it on their own. They're afraid that if they're a slave, and they've been a slave this long, then they have to be responsible for their own place in life, that they will not be able to blame someone else any longer. If you really feel like the problem is the blank, and that blank is a group of people of any color of any income level, of any political persuasion. You have bought the lie hook, line, and sinker. See, they don't care what kind of slave you are. And they don't care what function you perform in the machine as long as you are a slave and perform a function. It's a big machine. There's room for all kinds of slaves. There's room for slaves who wear gold watches, chains. And there's room for slaves who carry heavy steel chains. It's okay. They'll take you however you want to be. There's room for slaves that vote for more slavery, and there's room for slaves that think they're voting for more freedom. There's room for all the slaves. They're happy to have you. As long as you're functioning, and as long as you're blaming anyone other than yourself. You see, what they're afraid of is that you'll say to yourself, You know what? Jack's right. I'm a slave. There's a lot of people doing a lot of bad things, but when it comes to my life, he's right. There's no one that has greater impact over my life than me. And in spite of all the problems and all the things other people do that do affect me, in the end, I have to be responsible for myself. And that you'll start taking actions toward freedom. And that when you do that, you'll realize something that you thought was complicated isn't. You'll be like, well, money's the problem. But as soon as you take responsibility for yourself, all of a sudden you'll find you can actually find money. You can create money. You can make money. You can build a business and make money. You can get a better job and make more money. You can do something. Just You can cut your expense. One way or another, you'll solve the money problem. And you'll start advancing your life. You'll start to try to do some really great things. And eventually you'll realize it's not Democrats or Republicans that are the problem. It's government itself. It's government, and it's the corporatocracy. It's the new neo-fascist state that we exist in. It's my problem. It won't matter who's running it. It will still be in my way. And then you'll say, well, it's not him, and it's not her, and it's not the guy at the gas station. It's not the guy standing in the parking lot at Home Depot that wants a job. It's not the homeless guy under the overpass that says we'll work for food when I know damn well he's not going to work. It's not really any of those people that are actually my problem. The real them is government. It's not even the people in the government. It's the very apparatus itself. It's the place that exists that gives any man that much power over another man that's really the problem. It's a system that allows for someone with a gun to go and kidnap somebody legally Because they have a front yard garden. I'm not saying it happens everywhere, but the fact that it could happen at all is ridiculous. It's a system where a person can possess something legally today, like a firearm in Connecticut, or a plant in 1929. And that another man somewhere without the consent of the man who originally possessed it, can get something passed called a law that makes the mere possession of an item illegal overnight. Those of you who think it's wrong for government to tell you what kind of gun you can own, especially when they change the rules in midstream and say, that gun was legal yesterday and it's now today it's illegal, that you think that's wrong but think it's okay for the government to tell you that owning a plant is wrong. You are not consistent. I'm not saying you have to think it's a good idea that somebody grows or smokes or owns marijuana. Just like you're not asking anybody to think it's a good idea that you own, possess, or use a gun. You're just asking them not to interfere with your right to own that gun. Right? So why do you have a right to tell somebody they can't own a plant? if someone else doesn't have a if someone else is not supposed to have a right to tell you you can't own a gun you really have to think about the society we live in today but really what it comes down to is convincing people that this is what liberty looks like if you want to keep people enslaved tell them they're free and i keep saying it but i'll say it again cuz you really some of you really need it Dead between the eyes like a two-by-four. If you seek solutions in government, you will always end up kneeling before someone whom you serve. You cannot stand if you are asking government to fix your problems. You must kneel. You must submit if you go to government for your solution. Show me where I'm wrong. Show me how government can provide you a solution without using force on your behalf to take from somebody else against their will. Show me one way it has ever happened, the government has ever done anything on behalf of one citizen without having to first take from another citizen without their permission and against their will through the use of force at the point of a gun. The only thing that's changed over the years with government is we went from the point of a club to the point of a spear to the point of a sword to the point of a gun. But it's always been force from one human being on another. And the only solution is accepting that. Accepting that you were put Into your first institutionalized slavery the day you walked into your first classroom that you were trained and conditioned and taught to manage your own work release programs as you got older they even gave you more freedom you had things like study halls and work studies right more time between classes where you could do things on your own and you know lunch you could do more freedom they didn't march you down and make you sit there they actually let you go outside and have recess yeah right You had summer vacation, but they started giving you work over that period that you had to do while you were off and learned how to deal with that. Isn't it funny that, isn't it funny that when I talk about education shifting, I want you to think about how ridiculous this objection is. I've basically said that education is going to crumble in its current state and we are going to go to a point where children do not need to go to a school to learn. They will learn at home through distance learning opportunities. There'll be little mini schools the kids can go to voluntarily and work with other kids on certain subjects. And uh, Timmy might go to this place with these kids to work on his science stuff and go to a different place to work on his history stuff. Because, like, there's different options for Timmy. And then Timmy might just be really good at math and stay home and use a mentor online. And you know what people say? Well, what about state subsidized daycare? How will parents deal with these kids if they can't send them to school every day? <laughs> I Are you there yet on how ridiculous this is? So what happens every year? What happens every year? We get this stuff called summer vacation. It's like three months where the kids aren't in school. So maybe parents could just do whatever the hell they're doing during those three months with their kids. As though having your child not held prisoner by the state is a burden. That's the objection to changing education? That there won't be any place to send your kid? Where are your children? In June, July, and August? Do you have a a, a second prison you're sending them to? Or do you figure out how to deal with this? Doesn't every parent figure out how to deal with this? Some of the kids still go to prison to get lunch and and breakfast during summer now, apparently. The only solution is to accept this. The day you accept it, you can stand at the edge of liberty. Or in Josiah's words, at the brink of freedom. You won't be free yet. Because there's too many things in your way. There's too many people still clinging to their slavery, and there's too many slave masters that have all of this power that still have force and the point of a gun to enslave. See, this is why it's scary to admit it. Once you admit it, you can say, well, these are the things I can do about it, and these are the things I can't really fix right now. I have to exist in this no man's land on my own. I have to build my own life my own way in spite of the fact that there's all these obstacles. And I don't think get to make shit all for excuses anymore. I have to be like, well, they said I can't do this. I'm going to figure out how to do it anyway. I have I had to be like, okay, I want to do this community thing. There's too many roadblocks. Okay, we're going to do this farm thing. Just, God, the government won't let me and other people freely associate with each other to fund this thing this way? Fine, I'll find another way. To, and we got it, man. I'm telling you, it's coming. <laughs> I'm going to open a full ass can of whoop ass on the establishment, but I still have to admit there's things I have to do to comply. When I have to pay a wage, I have to do it with a different way for every freaking state. I have to put Social Security aside for an employee. I mean, it's a mess. It's an absolute mess. But I don't get to make excuses. Instead of instead of accepting the system. I have to work on the edges of the system and constantly seek how I can do any little piece outside of the system. Scary as hell. And when I tell somebody this, who's my lifelong trusted friend, they're probably going to look at me like I'm crazy. Well, that's scary too. And your families may look at you the same way. And you might not feel comfortable with certain people anymore. That's scary as hell. Freedom is, is scary as hell, but it's precious. There are some exceptional things about America. There is some exceptional things about America. The ideal that birthed America was exceptional. That the individual, not the state, was where the power really lied doesn't mean we do it. I've said when people call me, like they'll say, you know, you're just a hippie or whatever. I'm like, you're out of your mind. You know what you're talking about. I'm a U.S. military veteran. I serve with the United States Airborne. I don't hate my country. I'm a patriot that wants my country to match her actions to her freaking marketing. That's what I am. Since the nation is not ready to do it yet, I will do it myself, and that is the solution. All of the things we talk about, from homesteading, to investing, to building a business, they are simply the mechanical functions by which we achieve our goals. The real thing that you must do to achieve Freedom in your lifetime is a mental shift, because as soon as you make the mental shift, as soon as you acknowledge this is the way things are, your mind will say, ah, that's a problem. And when you can't say, well, it's his fault, it's her fault, it's their fault anymore, when you tell your mind, mind, we don't get to do that anymore, now we have to engage it, your mind starts going, aha, how do we get around this, how do we get around that? How do we fix this? Okay, if we can't fix that, what do we do instead? How do I make sure that I am creating a life that I want for future generations? How do I make sure that I am contributing to the solution versus the problem? As soon as the mind is asked a question, the computer kicks in. Your your mind is the most powerful computer ever conceived of. Not just ever created, ever conceived of. We can't even conceive of a computer more powerful than a human brain. We can talk about all the wonderful things it could do someday with science and programming and languages. And, but the reality is, when you think about the, the calculations necessary to pick up a baseball, if you've never held one before, assess its weight, assess its shape, look into the distance and throw that ball with any accuracy, the millions of little ways the hand moves, pressures change in that ball, and watch it land, and get anywhere near where it was supposed to go, there's no computer that we can conceive of that can make those calculations. And for at the same time, when that ball flies through the air, for you to look at it and go, "Uh uh-huh, and then pick it up again, and do it better, And then pick it up again and get to where you can actually hit your target with it over and over again. And then have that knowledge and pick up a golf ball and then go, based on what I already know, this is lighter and smaller, oh, the wind's blowing right now, and throw the golf ball, even though you've never held one before. You have that power. And we have so undersold the value of that power. And if you turn that power onto the problem that you're a slave, you will start to cut links off of your chain, and you will stop polishing the shackles. That's what I want for every member of this audience. I'm sorry that this show had to come late in the day, but if I'm with you on your drive home today, hopefully... I've changed the way that you'll think forever. You will never find a solution in blaming others for your problems. And you will never find a solution in the source of your problems, which is any system that lets other people control your life. The only freedom that's good enough is complete and total freedom but what if we had that and people hurt each other that is fear that is fear we have people hurting each other every day the big problem is we have actually given people the legal right to hurt others and we've told other people that they have no right to defend themselves from such people We can defend the weak without oppressing the strong. And with that, this has been Jack Spirico with another edition of the Survival Podcast, helping you figure out how to live that better life if times get tough, or even if they don't.